0: Hi my hi welcome to QA I'm called Jack Tame Aho. This is the second of our special programs this year where we consider the issues that are likely to define New Zealand's future. We're calling the series Tortato Anamata, our future. Our first programme considered the future of immigration. Today's co mathematics. For more than 20 years, New Zealand children have recorded declining standards in maths. Experts say it's a national tragedy. We're focusing today on primary and intermediate maths education with a studio audience of parents and educators who have joined us and an expert panel. And in the spirit of assessments, I'm going to ask each of our panellists to rate New Zealand's primary and intermediate education as it stands. Dr Audrey Tan is a mathematician and tutor. Kia ora, Audrey. Can Kia you ora, give us a score out of 10? Where do you rate New Zealand's maths education?
1: Well, actually, I think that um, the problem is far too complicated for us to just put a number to it. Audrey! I'm sorry, I'm going to <laughs> disappoint you. In the spirit you. of assessments.
0: OK, we're going to dig into things a, a little bit. I just want to introduce the panellists. Briar, can you give us a score out of 10? Briar Lipson is a research fellow specialising in education at the New Zealand Initiative.
2: So I think in the early 2000s, I'd have given it a high school, maybe a nine ten, um, And now, just 20 years later, we're down at something like a 3 or a 4.
0: Okay, Professor Bobby Hunter is a professor of Pacifica Education Studies at Massey University. What do you give it out of ten, Bobby?
3: Out of ten, I think that we let's give New Zealand teachers the right to have a good score because they are good, and let's give it a score of say seven out of
0: ten. Seven out of ten. Liam Rutherford's the president of the New Zealand Educational Institute Te Roa. He's also a primary school teacher. Kia ora, Liam. Kia ora.
4: Uh, I don't have a number for you either. Uh, I
0: would say it's understaffed and massively uh, and massively varied there are certainly some concerns. Most of our panellists have at least some concerns about the state of our maths education, but we want to start the special by drilling into some numbers for you. Have a look at these. First of all, take a look at how we are tracking by the trends in international mathematics and science study. Now, this is an international study of 13 year olds. As you can see from 1995, Kiwi kids have consistently recorded lower marks. How does that most recent score place us against other countries? Well, Singapore is top of the pops, but we are also tracking poorly compared to Australia and compared to England. Now, don't get too excited when you see New Zealand coming in there ahead of Morocco. Morocco is dead last in that Tim's study. For those who say international comparisons are not a good measure of our performance, check out these maths numbers from the most recent national monitoring study of student achievement. This is how many students are meeting our curriculum standards. Just 45% of Year 8 kids in New Zealand are achieving the curriculum standards in mathematics and statistics. Just just look at those numbers. Just 45% of Year 8 students compared to 81% of Year 4 students. Why? What are we doing wrong? And what can we do to fix it? We will talk to our full panel shortly, but first, distinguished Professor Gavin Martin is the chair of an expert group at the Royal Society, Te Aparangi, which has been advising the Ministry of Education on changes to the maths curriculum. The report will be made public later this year as the Ministry of Education works on a comprehensive maths strategic plan. Gavin, kia ora. Kia ora. How bad is it?
5: Uh, it's pretty bad. I think, in fact, it's nothing short of a national tragedy. We are failing generations of students and giving them the skills they need to success and to have success in modern life. You look around you today, everywhere mathematics is playing an increasing role, statistics and data analysis, all those sorts of things. The jobs of the future are gonna be underpinned more and more by mathematics, there's no question. And our system is failing to produce quality and excellence in diversity. The the achievement disparities between um, socioeconomic status is just incredible. In fact, it's amongst the worst in the world. Over the last decade, Australia has closed the gap between the success of its indigenous students uh, and the rest of the population. In New Zealand, we've widened the gap. So so how is that?
0: Why are we doing so bad?
5: Um, I think that there's a lot of reasons actually, but the problem is systemic. I think that pretty much everyone knows the system is broken. I think that principals know the system is broken, teachers know the system is broken, and the ministry knows the system is broken. But we're in a sort of stasis because it's an incredibly difficult situation to address. But I think there are three primary reasons that uh, we have cause for concern about. And that is that there is incredible slippage in the system. many of the people here will know perhaps better than I, but uh, if you look at, say, year eight students, uh, so they're Mm. 13-year-olds, most of them are in classes being taught at the same time with students from levels one to five. So in the same class, at the same time, in the same teacher, most of our kids are being taught from primary school mathematics to the level they're appropriate to thirteen year olds so I have absolutely no idea
0: how teachers deal with that situation. It's incredible. Can you talk to us a little bit more about teaching styles? Because in the year 2000, I know the ministry supported a program called the Numeracy Project, which was essentially a professional development program for teachers. But since that time, schools around New Zealand have adopted and changed the ways in which they teach mathematics. So, so there is no standardised style for mathematics teaching in New Zealand.
5: Um, I don't think you could set a standardized style, but, but I have to say the numeracy project was one of a number of strategies in education that were introduced without any evidence that it would be beneficial. The numeracy project came with slogans and no data. The slogan was that we will teach learning with understanding as opposed to rote learning. You know, How can you argue against that slogan? Surely it's better to teach learning with understanding than rote learning. But if you look at the data, we don't teach much of anything at all, actually. You know I, the thing that I spend a lot of time in the u s so I, it, it sort of amuses me. we come back to New Zealand, and you read in in the front page of the paper, you know fifty percent, sixty percent, seventy percent of Americans can't put Chicago on their map. You don't read an American newspaper saying that. of New Zealanders can't multiply two-digit numbers, you know, so that's an incredible challenge, and and which
0: would you rather have? What role does the curriculum play in all of this?
5: Um, Well, I have to say that the opinions I'm expressing are my own and and not the panel, so there are a little... um, There's a range of opinions on the panel. OK, but as the curriculum that we have in New Zealand per se Mm. is actually reasonably good, I think. So, the scope of stuff that is being taught, um, the level and the pace is okay. Um, there are some things missing, obviously. Uh, mathematics has changed in the last couple of decades. Uh, you know, data analysis and those sorts of things are far more persistent and pervasive in our community. The devices we all carry around in our pockets are yeah. underpinned by really incredibly sophisticated mathematics. Um, and so, you know, computational thinking, those sorts of things, could be introduced into the curriculum. So it's not the curriculum per se that's the problem; it's the delivery on the curriculum that is the real issue. This incredible slippage. And I think the other issue is um, discipline and pedagogical knowledge of teachers. So we do not train, I think, teachers sufficiently for the work that there is put in front of them, and. I mentioned before, they're, they're placed in an incredible, mm. incredibly difficult situation where you know, you're talking this incredible range of students in each class. Mm. But we know the solution to addressing a range of students in a class is not streaming. Streaming has bad outcomes for pretty much everybody. So mm. the situation is very difficult. You have to upskill teachers, you have to ensure there's progress through the mm. curriculum. but think about how do you upskill teachers okay so maybe they need more discipline level knowledge maybe more pedagogical knowledge so where is there a shortage of teachers mm. well in mathematics how are you going to upskill the teachers well you've got to teach them some more mathematics you've got to give them more pedagogical skills to give them more mathematics and pedagogical skills you have to pull them out of the classroom mm. who are you going to put there mm.
0: Okay, a number of issues (laughs) there that we will unpack with our panel shortly. Thank you very much, Gavin. There is one area where Kiwi kids are doing a little bit better in maths. We don't want to be all doom and gloom today. According to the National Monitoring Survey, our youngest school aged children are performing much better than their older primary and intermediate peers. Fiona Owen went to Newtown School to see how our youngest learn the basics.
6: 80, 90, 100. Ka pai. And that counting in unison is the only old school maths you'll observe in this session of five to seven-year-olds. One of you will be the shopkeeper. One of you will be the customer. Two. Well, how much One. is a chicken? Three. Five dollars. Five dollars. Five. What do you call this new approach to maths? Um, we call it open-ended problem solving. So, in- so, so it's inquiry maths. It's, there are elements of inquiry. It doesn't perfectly fit into that. We we don't do one neat little program. We we take the best bits and we actually we make it work for our kids and the kids that are in front of us. Yep. So six of these or six of these. Six oh, six ones, okay. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. So I heard Louis there going 5, 10, 15, 20. So he's obviously moving into multiplication pretty quickly. Yep. Um, do they do any rote learning at all? Did that go out last century? We don't do rote learning. I use the term your maths tool belt. So absolutely, there are really, really good things to have on your maths tool belt. It's good to actually have your doubles on your maths tool belt. So you'd never sit there and go three, six, nine, twelve For a purpose. So at the start, we counted in tens for a purpose. We were about to be using 10s and using $10 notes. So we call it just-in-time teaching. So it costs $18. We have a disagreement, that's awesome. So you think it's 23? and you think it's 20. So, hey Fred, can you prove to Stalin that you think it's 20? So I can understand why this age group, five to seven, use materials to show a problem, but what about older age groups? All the way up, materials are vital all the way up. You heard us talk about this is your idea and you disagree and you need to prove it. You can prove things with your words, but you can also prove things by showing it. So what's the reason older Kiwi kids are underperforming in maths? I think still there's that purpose and that meaning is maybe not in every maths programme. And if, if the kids can see why it matters, and why it matters for them, not why it matters to you, why it matters to me that I need to be able to count money. Why does it matter to me that I need to be able to measure things? If it, you, they can see why it matters to them, they're going to be so much more motivated and so much more driven. And I think we are getting there, but I think we need to be more cohesive going from primary to intermediate to secondary. So our wondering was, can 15 look different? What do you like about doing math Because it's like a ch-
7: I, I like challenges, and math is sometimes
6: a challenge. I would have had quite a few reluctant mathematicians years and years ago. Now. I don't have any reluctant mathematicians now because they feel success, because they know that they've got things that they can access, because they know it's not about one wrong answer or one right answer, and that it's OK to be wrong, it's OK to disagree. So I don't have reluctant mathematicians anymore. bye. Bye-bye. Bye, good luck with you, miss
0: and reporting there at Newtown School. You'd have to say that looks like a really positive learning environment. We will get into things with our panel when Tautaro Anamata returns after the break. Hoki Maitepando, welcome back to Q and A and to our panel. I'm going to start with an open question for each of our panelists, and I will start with Professor Bobby Hunter. Bobby, how should we be teaching our kids maths?
3: Well, Jack, actually I think that there are a number of things we've got to think about and I think that that last video clip highlighted a lot of things that we need to be thinking about because the first thing that she talked about was engagement, and she was showing engagement, and we want every New Zealand child to like mathematics, to be engaged and want to do it, Mm. and I think that that is by letting them see that mathematics is actually the most creative curriculum area that you can do. So it's got to be create. That's one of the elements that you've got to have. The next one is use. They have to apply it to their knowledge in school and to the everyday knowledge. So it's got to have a cultural basis and a social basis. The third one is to learn. They've got to learn the key elements of mathematics, the big ideas. Mm. You know, they have to be able to... Um, then apply them. And the last one is practice. And no good teacher in New Zealand would ever leave out practice, but it's gotta be balanced.
0: There will be a lot of people though who say that the practice needs to come first, that you have gotta have the basics before you can use maths in a more creative way. What do you say to that?
3: I think that children bring a lot of knowledge to school and we need to honor what they bring Mm. and we need to build from them that. And so, yes, it is a combination of, yes, they are going to know already, and yes, they are going to learn. So it's, it's a, it's a mm. mixture across both. But it would be the equivalent of saying, if you see practice comes first, right, let's let a child only learn the scales of a piano, but not play on the piano, not mm. create. Okay. That's, that's my metaphor for comparing.
0: Liam Rutherford, how long have you been out of the classroom now? Uh, Not long. Yeah, about three years now. Okay, okay. So, so you're the closest to the, to the chalk face, if you like. How should we be teaching our kids maths? I think it's really important
4: that we don't see Mass as a silo because I think we run the risk of missing the forest through the trees. The reality for classroom teachers and principals right now is that there is a huge diversity of needs coming into schools right now and we're still using staffing funding formulas that hark back to Mm. a time where it was one teacher in front of 30 students. I was talking to a teacher the other day who said across her 30 students, three-quarters of them are boys, uh, half of that group uh, aren't achieving illiteracy mm. and then she's got four ESOL learners as well and she had this real frustration as she was talking to me because she's spending more time on behaviour management than she would like to be around the practice, uh, the practice of her craft. What I would say, though, is that I don't think most teachers are overly ideological. I think they reject the idea of a binary position, that it is one way or the other, and that uh, I thought Alice captured it really well around that purpose-driven strategies, Mm. uh, because I think we need to see both sides in classrooms.
0: What has become clear to us in researching this programme, though, is that teachers around New Zealand use a whole variety of different teaching techniques when it comes to mathematics. There is no one technique that every teacher uses. Is that a good or a bad thing, Audrey? And do you think there is a different style we we should be using to teach kids maths?
1: Well, we actually already know quite a lot about what makes um, great teaching. Um, The problem is it doesn't necessarily fit with the Ministry of Education's um, philosophy at the moment. Um, But when you actually look at the evidence, um, direct instruction and explicit teaching is more effective than inquiry-based teaching. Um, It was quite interesting. Um, PISA is a study of 15-year-olds. And um, they found that uh, student-led learning was um, negatively related to maths achievement in every country that they analysed. That evidence is very, very hard to ignore.
0: Mm. And and can you just unpack what you mean by that style of teaching? The, the, The style of teaching that you think would be more effective, at least according to the PISA study?
1: Um, Well, not necessarily according to the PISA study. I would really like to just go back Mm. to upper primary because I think Mm. that's um, what we're talking about. I mean, I've been talking for years about the benefits of lining up the columns to add numbers. Um, But for some reason, um, the numeracy project um, denigrated those methods until they actually became the last lessons in the book. Mm. Um, And what that does is it disadvantages most children, um, the young children, Um, really need that support, and it actually helps them to understand place value. Um, So I would really just like to um, see us celebrating those methods. Um, They are the um, most efficient and the easiest ways for children to calculate with numbers, and then they will remain engaged. Um, We can see from the video clip that um, our teachers are doing a great job at engaging our children. The problem is they start to lose heart they start to work with larger numbers because they just become so overloaded with strategies that um, are just too, hold, too, too hard for them to hold in their heads.
0: For our viewers who perhaps aren't familiar with the Numeracy Project, basically it's a professional development programme that was introduced in 2000 that many New Zealand schools adopted whereby students were taught different methods for working out the solution to a problem. Briar, how do you think we should be teaching our kids maths?
2: We need to teach in line with the cognitive science um, and that is very clear that if we want children to be able to problem solve, think critically, we have to equip them so that they're not, c- equip them with the basic facts mm. so that they're not cognitively overloaded. Um, it's toxic for your self-efficacy, your motivation, your engagement. If you're presented with problems too early on in your mm. education um, and um, You've, you're still grappling with the basic number problems. Um, and we know this from um, set to, uh Takes sportsmen and their coaches. They know that in order to get um, the All Blacks ready to play a rugby game, they don't spend most of their time in training practising playing rugby games. They practise the broken down parts of what, it, of what it takes to be a great athlete. You know, they're in the gym doing weights, they're doing yoga, they're doing set plays, they're passing balls. Bowden Barrett is still practising how to pass a ball. He knows how to do it, but it has to be automatic so that when he's there in the moment, mm-hmm. he can use his working memory to solve problems and think critically and it's exactly the same in maths and And this is ultimately an equity issue for New Zealand because um, if schools don't make sure that every kid learns their number bonds and their basic number facts then we all know that it's the educated parents from the um, uh, more socioeconomically advantaged homes that will make sure their kids get them from home And it's the children from um, poorer backgrounds who come Mm -hmm. to school and are immediately behind their peers. And unless school is very explicit Mm -hmm. in making sure that we close those gaps as soon as we possibly can, they just widen. And that is what we see in the data, um, which finds that New Zealand has the worst socioeconomic gradient of all English-speaking countries.
0: Should students be grouped by ability? Should we stream kids?
2: So, um, typically, research in this area finds that um, streaming works well for high-achieving kids Mm. and it works badly for um, lower-achieving kids. And the net effect is usually, overall, a negative one. However, um, it's certainly... um, There's lots of compounding reasons why that might be. Mm. So, for example, unfortunately, many schools will pair the... um, the low ability class with a less effective teacher. Mm. I mean, if you were to flip that on its head, just think what you might be able to achieve. So I certainly don't think it should be a question of the ministry going around saying you can or cannot do this. Teachers have to know their children Mm. and they have to be able to change the groupings as they're going along. And you need that flexibility in class because, you know, I've been, I've stood in front of 30 um, five-year-olds, and you've got kids in there who can't even count to ten, and you've got some of them who know their, who, who know most of their times tables. And the idea that the best solution is to teach them mm. all together, muddled up, um, is very naive.
0: Liam, I'm going to give that question to you as well. Do you think students should be grouped by ability? Should we stream kids? No, uh, I think it's a practice that we need
4: to move away from. The, uh, the researchers clear mm. uh, around the negative effects that it has on lower learners' self-belief uh, about themselves. What I will say, though, is that actually the sector needs to be supported in that transition away Mm. from that because actually uh, the ability grouping approach um, is a really pragmatic way to manage a large group of students that you're trying to teach and so they need to be supported with the replacement pedagogies uh, but ultimately yes we do need to move away.
0: We're going to talk about the support that the government and the ministry might be able to offer the teaching sector a little later in the programme but in the debate over effective teaching and learning techniques, one British school has been ruffling feathers the Michaela Community Free School is a charter-style school in a poor part of London that advocates for traditional teaching methods. Children drill times tables and follow strict behavioural standards. The headmistress is New Zealand-born Catherine Burble-Singh. Because of the time difference, I spoke to her a little earlier. How would you describe the style of mathematics teaching at your
8: school? We're a very traditional school. Uh, We spend lots of time on our times tables, for instance, to make sure that the children have got those embedded. Uh, and then w- we do lots and lots of practice. I think in maths teaching, sometimes the mistake can be not to practice enough. And people think that drilling is is a is a naughty word. Well, you cannot p- solve problems unless you've got the basics, and that requires lots and lots of repetition, which we do really well here. 22!
0: I can imagine half of our audience right now cheering you on and half recoiling in horror. How have yeah. your students performed when it comes to standardized testing?
8: Really well. Well, in fact, uh, before COVID, you know, the last time we real GCSE exams happened, the national exams that we do here in Britain was in 2019. And uh, we, our maths department, we got the best maths results in the whole country. <laughs> and um, maths teachers from all over the world actually come to see what we do here. And what they're surprised at is, oh, actually, it's kind of just old fashioned stuff, which is uh, you you repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, once they know it really well, you then move to the next step, move to the next step. And in a way that kind of makes lots of common sense. It's just that nowadays uh, teacher training institutions and so on can encourage people to do stuff that we think makes children more creative or gets them to think for themselves. The only way you can be creative or think for yourself is if you have something to think about. And that means giving children lots of knowledge. And specifically with maths, that means lots of practice on the easy stuff Mm. until you really know it.
0: New Zealand's students are slipping in their mathematics achievements. What would you put that down to?
8: You all have been moving towards a more progressive type of education, which, as I say, is more about uh, this immersion into so- so-called problem solving. We imagine that children are being creative with their maths. That isn't what's happening. Children will just be confused. Uh, the best thing you can do for a child is uh, get them to do tons of repetition work and um, and get them to understand each of the mathematical topics before, really understand it, before you move on to the next one, as opposed to the more progressive way of doing things, uh, where you sort of throw them in at the deep end and see whether or not they'll swim. Um, And I think that's the route that New Zealand has been going down. You would do well to pull back towards tradition.
0: That is Catherine Burble-Singh at Michaela Free School in London. Bobby, what do you think of her approach?
3: Um, That's like going back to the 1960s. And I don't think that any New Zealand teacher would not do practice as well as focusing on understanding, but it's got to be a balance of both. And I think practice has to come. I think that instant recall of basic facts is really important. That is knowledge. However, the way that that's being done, I can't see those children out in real life ever wanting to do maths again, when they've been drilled, what I call drilled and killed.
0: Mm. Well, I know that Catherine would say that her students love maths and clearly they are performing really well. There will be people watching who say, you know what, maybe the 1960s style actually worked.
3: Though that's how the 1960s uh, is our 1990s Tim's results... Mm. Right, if you think about it, mm. and our 2015 Tim's results, actually, our data is the same. It hasn't changed. We haven't got worse. We've stayed the same. Other we've steadily got worse
0: since 1995. No, A- other countries have, have jumped
3: up. No, no, other countries have jumped over us. It's in the knowledge area. Right. And so, consequently, were we doing okay then? Not. We weren't. So Mm. we need to be thinking about the future going forward when we shouldn't be going
0: backwards. Audrey, what do you make of Catherine's approach?
3: Well, I certainly wouldn't
1: um, recommend um, drilling without understanding. Um, That's certainly not how um, I approach times tables. Um, But I I do think that um, our students are struggling with basic numeracy tasks. I do see a lot of students struggling to remember their times tables and it really holds them back, even at high school. Mm. So when I'm helping students with um, algebra, um, it's not so much the algebra that they're struggling with um, when they're factorizing an expression, they're actually struggling to factor the numbers, factorize the numbers. So um, I think that um, we do have far too many students struggling with basic numeracy tasks. We Mm. do need to um, focus a little bit more on the basics and um, see past the numbers. Mm. I think that we've been far too focused on numbers, but not allowing children to um, see past the numbers and actually explore applying numbers to other topics like measurement and geometry and even data. Mm.
0: Perhaps I can uh, crudely characterise Catherine's position as this. She says, we were doing okay with the old school methods, But New Zealand teaching has become more progressive, and as it's become more progressive, actually our standards have slipped. What do you think of that assessment? I agree. What do you think, Brian? Um,
2: I agree. And um, I think... um, to come back to Bobby's point, like the data has slipped. So nowadays our 15 year olds perform the way 13 and a half year olds did just 20 years ago. And mm. um, so it's not just in the rankings, it's an absolute drop over, t- over time. And that's a dramatic drop in just 20 years. Um, and it's a, it's a question of expectations. And I, you know, that school serves a, a disadvantaged community, what we would probably call a decile one community. Mm. Um, and I firmly believe every child, no matter what background they come from, can learn those facts. It can be really hard work for some kids. Um, if they're not getting that kind of input from home mm. and. Um, but that is the job of the teacher. That's our job, to make times tables and maths facts and those fundamentals fun on a wet Tuesday afternoon. It, it, it's not good enough just to say, oh, we'll, we'll change the curriculum mm. and we'll do these engaging problems that, that speak to these children's experiences and appear relevant and so forth. Because if they don't have the facts, all we're doing is setting them up for failure. And, and we shouldn't sit around scratching our heads wondering why they disengage. Age and they become unmotivated we have to believe as I do and and I've seen it all kids can learn these things and they can go on to succeed
0: okay we're going to unpack the role of teachers the role of the ministry and the role of parents shortly stick around hey Q and A this Q&A special will continue in a minute and later we have some part I some questions from our audience
7: one of the things we've heard anecdotally Uh, is a concern around the confidence that teachers have, particularly in the senior primary school, at supporting um, the mathematics curriculum. We're really concerned that that is a consequence of the quality of our uh, teacher training. The second really important issue is the complete absence of leadership when it comes to our curriculum and teaching and learning approaches. I'm president of the New Zealand Principals Federation. I can't tell you the name of the leader in our education system that is leading uh, the curriculum in the area of mathematics. Uh, that's a travesty. We urge the government to act quickly uh, to regenerate and re-energise powerful curriculum advisory and professional learning for teachers that is plugged in to that national leadership so that we have national coherence. That is what is missing.
0: That was Perry Rush from the Principals Federation. Associate Education Minister Jan Tenetti is herself a former primary school teacher and principal. Kia ora. Kia ora. So, the Ministry of Education is undertaking an overhaul of sorts. Has our maths education failed a generation of Kiwi kids?
9: I think it's, as Gavin has said earlier, it's a very, very complex issue. And I do agree with Perry in what he's just said that. A lot of it is due to the confidence of our teachers. We have a teaching workforce that are doing an amazing job, but many of them feel very unconfident in what they're doing, particularly at those upper ends of the primary
0: system. What you're saying is that our teachers don't understand maths well enough to teach maths?
9: I, you know, I don't even know that it's as easy as that. I was having a conversation with Audrey earlier saying that some of my best teachers that I've had in the past as a principal were the teachers that actually struggled the most at maths. Uh, they just understood how to really get inside the brain of a mm. child who doesn't understand maths.
0: So why do, they, why do we have that confidence gap?
9: I think that we need to go back to all the number of initiatives that we've had time and time and time again in education. We seem to see a problem and we fill the gap. And sometimes we don't necessarily fill the gap with an evidence-based solution. In my time I had about three different approaches. I was teaching for 27 years. I had three different approaches to teaching maths. I'm not sure that I ever had time to embed it properly over
0: that time. Is there one approach that you would favour now?
9: Again, I think that... We need to look at all of the evidence and what all of the evidence actually shows is that a balanced approach is what we need in schools. Mm. So I'm really looking forward to getting the work back that's coming back from the Royal Society and reading through that. I want to talk to experts from all sides of the debate. I want to hear from the sector it's really important that we're talking with the sector. They get this on a daily basis.
0: You've been in the classroom. Do you have any concerns that perhaps we have become a bit too wishy-washy, that we've become a bit too progressive in our maths education?
9: As I said, I think it's more about the fact that we've had initiative after initiative and actually there's been confusion that's Mm. actually happening within the sector. We have pockets in isolation of absolute brilliance and excellence, but I can't hand on heart say that that's happening across the whole of the sector. We need to support our sector to be all brilliant.
0: Okay, how do you support them? Because at the moment, the way professional development works is that schools... It's essentially a free market. Schools can apply for funding in certain areas, but there's actually no... No consistent, cohesive programme that every school in New Zealand follows. Every school basically makes up its own mind as to what professional development it pursues. And of course, there are bureaucratic complications when it comes to applying for that funding.
9: So, of course, schools have that opportunity to to work out where their strengths are and where they actually need to get extra support in, because that's our system – And it's a very good system, but you are right, we need to actually look at that programme of how we're actually supporting schools Mm. and how we can actually get in alongside them and do a better job.
0: Okay, what would that actually mean? Would you say support professional development in mathematics for all New Zealand schools?
9: Again, not all schools need that. So, some schools are actually doing a brilliant job in this area and are doing an amazing amount of work and actually progressing their young people. Some schools have already done a lot of work Mm. in this area. So, we need to actually target our resources where the need is greatest.
0: Okay, but clearly there is a significant problem here across the board. Yes, there might be some schools that are doing things well, but those numbers are concerning.
9: Absolutely, they're concerning. We know that what we're doing now is not hitting every student. Mm.
0: What about teachers' colleges? Of course, they've been absorbed into universities now. The way we train our teachers has changed. Is there some change that could be brought in there?
9: Well, the initial teacher education is actually under the Teaching Council, but there is work that we can be doing to support them in that. I am heartened, though. Mm-hmm. I do have my son's partner at the moment is training to be a teacher. And I know that a lot of support is going in to help those students in that programme understand maths, mm. understand what they're actually going to be teaching before they learn how to teach it. And I'm really excited about
0: that. All right. Associate Education Minister jantinetti thanks for your time. Stick around. You're going to be on our panel. As we go to a quick break, here is a little brain tickler for you at home. If you've got a pen and paper handy, it's probably a good idea to grab it or maybe take a little screenshot with your phone. One of the questions our nine-year-olds are being asked in those international maths studies...
6: 3,126
3: plus 845
0: plus 72 equals. Hoki Mai, here's the answer. He's hoping you reached the same number. Interestingly, our students got there in very different ways. Thanks to nine year old Tererehua kamu Driva and 10 year old Bo Korpu for that. Welcome back to Tuotato Anamata. A question for all of our panellists now, and Audrey, I will start with you. Why is there a confidence gap when it comes to our teachers teaching maths?
1: Well, I think our teachers are doing a wonderful job with the curriculum they've been handed, um, but I think that they're losing confidence because they can see that um, the upper primary students are failing to meet curriculum expectations. Um, So we do need to address the curriculum. Um, After that, it's hard to know, really, um, how confident teachers will feel once the curriculum is fixed. But if they are not feeling confident in their mathematics, then um, I think that does go back to the issue of teacher training. I think that the universities are really letting down our teachers by not focusing enough On mathematics knowledge. They seem to be focusing a lot on Mm. um, teaching knowledge, how to teach maths, Um, but it's not unreasonable for us to expect a graduating teacher to be able to do the maths that they're expected to teach and to understand it well. I come from a mathematics background rather than an education background. I know my subject very well and I have a great deal of empathy for my students and so I think those two things go hand in hand.
0: Gavin, why do you think there's a confidence gap? Well, the international evidence
5: shows that we have amongst the poorest prepared teachers uh, in the world something like less than 37% or only 37% of uh, of our teachers have done a university level mathematics course. And I have to disagree with Audrey a little bit here. She says they're not teaching um, enough mathematical content in ITE. In fact, they teach no new mathematical content at all. And actually, in a year of ITE for an incoming teacher with a degree, maybe a BA or something like that, um, there's 27 hours spent in that year learning how to teach mathematics. (laughs) It's simply not enough. They're coming in without basic mathematical skills and they're given such a limited amount of instruction. Mm. Um, I think that there's no wonder that that there are real confidence issues.
0: Briar, what do you think?
2: I think it's important to say that um, this is not teachers' fault. we um, bombard teachers through their university training courses with um, lots of things that are less than useful in the classroom. Um, Catherine talked about the progressive ideology there's a lot of time spent on that stuff and actually the fault lies with um, the ministry and the research community because um, we can bandy around this nice word about being evidence-based but in order for um, education to become evidence-based we have to assess outcomes. And um, New Zealand is a real outlier internationally in that we have no national standardised mandatory assessment throughout our entire Mm. system. I'm not advocating that we become like some US states which assess all children in all subjects every year, but we have to have a compromise. Do you mean
0: like national standards?
2: So let's not get into too much of a debate about Mm -hmm. national standards, but you do need some national standardised assessment. And actually, that's going to mean some testing and... um It's good that Liam's here from representing the unions because they um, had a kind of coordinated campaign against the national standards when they were introduced. But it doesn't go to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We have to have some data because out there are some schools and teachers who are doing amazing work. They are getting all Mm. um, children from low socioeconomic backgrounds to master maths. And the problem is because we don't assess nationally, we can't find those schools, we don't know where they are, and, and if we did know where they are, then those schools would become meccas. Mm. Teachers would come from all over the country to some tiny school in Hockey Ticker because they know how to get all kids from those backgrounds to succeed. And that is, that is how you empower the profession to drive its own self-improvement. And the trouble is if the ministry appoints that math yeah. star that Perry Rush was talking about, that might be somebody who is actually pushing completely wrong um, approaches to teaching.
0: I Okay, I've got to go to Liam on that. Two the points there. The experience
4: standards experiment, uh, experiment was an absolute disaster that we still haven't recovered from. We have a generation of teachers come through that they had gone through a system where there was incentives to over-assess and narrow the curriculum down. And at a time where we know that good learning environments require a, fo- uh, a focus on uh, understanding a child's culture, language and identity, we don't have that curriculum support there to come in behind that.
0: Well, what about some replacements? Some level of, of standard testing or standardised yeah. testing?
3: Yeah. We do. We do okay. have. We do have We have the P- NZCR, the PATs.
0: Mm.
3: We, we have other ASTL. They are used right throughout New Zealand mm. and in our work, we in all of the work that we do, we have NZCR looking at our results so that it's not us saying them in, mm. in terms of researching that. So I can tell you which schools in New Zealand, but there is, within my experience, there is
5: real evidence here. I was at a, a conference two weeks ago in Queenstown, where I saw some research presented by a brilliant young woman doing mathematics education, at the University of Auckland, and her it, her. Research-backed evidence suggests that national standards and those sorts of things are actually not working. Mm-hmm. What works best is repeated, low-impact, low-stakes assessment, but consistent again mm. and again and again. Yeah. And in fact that's backed by cognitive learning strategies and those sorts of things.
0: We're going to go to audience questions in just a minute. Liam, I have a question for you. Is there evidence that suggests that some teachers are avoiding teaching maths? Uh, Not that I've heard. I mean, uh, the two big things
4: we hear teachers asking for uh, is support around learning Mm. support. Uh, and then time to be able to get access to good quality PLD Mm. and when we talk about that it's not just the case of sending them to a website where there's a video you can listen to about an expert or going to a one-day course they actually need time to be able to take on new ideas Mm. integrate them into their practice and then reflect on them.
0: So what's your request for the minister here? What's your request for the ministry? This is good, Uh, (laughs) cool. Um, (laughs) So uh, those two areas
4: um, learning support and time for teachers and principals.
0: OK, we've got some questions now from our audience. Margie Leach has a question for Minister Jan Tanetti Kia ora.
4: Kia
9: ora. Why don't we have a structured maths approach using structured equipment so that all children, including those with special needs, dyscalculia and giftedness, can participate in the same lesson? Kia ora. I actually think that... We have elements there already of a structured maths approach and that we need to ensure exactly what you're talking about of having balance in that approach because we have to understand our young people who come from neurodiverse di- neuro backgrounds and the approaches that they're needed. Now, as you probably know, not all young people with neurodiverse disabilities actually learn in the same way. People make that assumption that they will learn in the same way. Uh, I've had young people, for example, who have been on the autistic spectrum who could not rote learn. And we thought that structure was what they actually needed. But that was the last thing that actually got them there. So we need to actually understand the needs of those particular children. But I think we do actually have the basis of that in our system now. We just need
0: to make sure it's well resourced and well supported. So we've been hearing this message from from you throughout the programme so far, that that children in this day and age in 2021 have a range of different needs. And I know that, Bobby, this is something you've focused on in in developing the DIMIC program, which is a, essentially a professional development program yes. for, for teachers to have culturally inclusive um, learning programs for their students. What would you like to see change on the professional development front so that you can support programs like yours?
3: Yeah, I think probably funding. I think actually giving every teacher access mm. to both knowledge, mathematical knowledge and pedagogical knowledge, so both teaching and the actual knowledge of mathematics. Just for so anyone, I know we've used that
0: word multiple times this, today. No, for, for what do you mean by pedagogical knowledge? That's why I changed
3: it to teaching. <laughs> yeah, you know, pedagogy is how you teach. Yeah, yeah, it's ways of teaching so you engage.
0: And it's ace children. on a triple word score, isn't it? Thank you mm. very much, Bobby. <laughs> all right, Joe Patrick has a question. Oh, sorry, again. You know,
5: in fairness to the government, New Zealand spends 5% of its GDP on education, that is all but uh, more than all but three countries in the world Norway, Colombia and Israel. Those last two com- countries have invested heavily in education. that being so said, I don't think it's th- about the spend but about the quality of the spend. But
0: at the moment the spend I note is is on a per capita basis for primary school education. We are behind the likes of the the UK yeah, so and, and Australia. So come back to the
5: quality of the spend how we spend the money. Mm-hmm.
0: Alright, Joe Patrick has a question for us. Kia ora, Joe. Kia
6: ora, thank you. Um, why are we coming to the conclusion that our maths data results are dropping when the number themselves don't show any statistical significance. Um, Bobby indicated the same thing just before. You know, when we look at all the results from 2007 to 2019, there is absolutely no statistical significance between our own results in New Zealand, um, both at year five and at year nine. Um, so maybe we are slipping and we're not 20, we're 25th, I think, mm. in year nine at the moment, so maybe we were ahead of that before. So maybe other countries are moving above us, but how do we know that they're as robust with their data that they're entering Mm -hmm. as we are we enter all of our students that are randomly selected. How do we know the other countries are doing the same?
0: OK. Audrey, I might go to you on that one. Do, do you think we should put a little less weight into these international studies, the likes of TIMS and PISA?
1: I think that TIMS and PISA are very important. It provides us with um, objective metrics that we don't seem to be able to um, mm. get hold of in New Zealand. Um, one great problem with um, primary school measurements um, is is that um, we're not necessarily measuring the right progress Right. And so what happens is um, we get to year eight and we actually find that students are not meeting curriculum expectations because teachers have actually been following a um, different framework for what progress looks like.
0: Liam, you're the closest of any of us to to the chalkboard. Uh, What do you think? Are we putting too much weight into some of those international tests? Yeah, that's
4: right. Uh, I think we are. What we need to do is actually focusing on developing something that works that is authentically Aotearoa, Mm. and that's where the emphasis should be.
0: Okay. Uh, stick around. It's the, only international b-
5: it's the only benchmarks we have. You know, we can benchmark against Decile and their performance is pretty poor. But you know, to fail to engage with this data, whether you can agree with it or not, that's a big mistake.
0: Well, and I would
3: just but remind it's, everyone it's too. Not apples. You're not comparing apples with apples. You're comparing apples with oranges. You've got to be thinking about... Like, I think Britain is a good example of that, where they are so focused on um, drilling the children for their tests Mm. that ultimately... They've shifted up because it's all knowledge. But focused. Bobby, what
0: about our own marks against the New Zealand curriculum? Just 45% of Year 8 or Year 9 students are actually meeting, meeting the standard against our own curriculum. Forget all those other countries. Yeah. That's that's terrible.
3: I agree with you on that, and I and I think that straight down comes down to teacher expectations. Mm. Giving children work at a higher level would raise our would actually raise our standards okay. immediately of
4: all children. have to be careful that we're not seeing all of the solutions located. Just within a conversation about maths, mm. schools are so diverse out there, and the needs coming through the door have put expectations on teachers and principals in a way where we haven't seen funding keep up.
0: Okay, stick around. We will be back for our panelists' last thoughts in a couple of minutes. Welcome back to Q&A and Tō Tortato Anamata. The Ministry of Education says a strategic plan for maths education should be completed this year. I've got a closing couple of questions for our panellists. Liam, I will start with you. What is the role of parents in maths education?
4: Yeah, uh, so parents are vital uh, and we need to be including them in conversation not just around how they can help at home but actually what mass is looking like in the classroom as well. What I think we do have to protect against uh, is this idea of excessive homework or work for students afterwards because we know the huge value that concepts of play Mm. uh, play in the development of children.
0: Bobby, parents?
3: I think actually that if you look at Asian countries... The parents there, right from birth, talk maths as well as read books to their children. And I think in New Zealand, our parents need to be doing the same. They need to be counting letter boxes and, and it is play. It's, mm. it's learning. It's not, I don't mean sit down, and drill them. I mean play with them and play with numbers, play with shapes, and so on.
0: Mm. Audrey, what do you think?
3: I agree with all of those comments.
1: I think that we need um, parents to understand that numeracy is at least as important as literacy. Um, there are lots of things that they can do, playing games with children, card mm. games, dice games, um, sequencing, all mm. sorts of things like that. Yep. And
0: I, I'm not a parent, but I'm from a family of educators, and I'm reliably told that the worst thing you can do is say, I was terrible at maths, to your child. Is that well, right, Brian? We don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, of course I agree with the panel, but the thing that keeps me up at night is that um, is those children whose parents aren't watching Q&A program and aren't doing those things with them, and school is their only chance mm. to have those basics. And if we're not following the cognitive science, mm. if we're putting the problem solving um, and the cognitive load too high before they've learned those basics until they've got them automatically in mm. their brains, then um, we're doing them a huge disservice. And we've got to start holding schools accountable for making sure that all kids master those skills.
0: Okay, Th- this will be my final question. Then we will race. Through. Through each of you. Audrey what do you think should be the priority in improving our kids maths?
1: Um, there may be no silver bullet to fixing maths education but I think that um, bringing back column addition to one of the first lessons in the book um, would be a very good place to start. Brian? Um, We have
2: to go back to the basics,
1: and we have to hold
2: schools accountable for delivering them. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we do more of the same, and we do more professional development of more people at the ministry helping schools to do these things, it will just carry on getting worse. We have to recognise that there really is um, a, a difference in opinion about how these things can be done. And the way we've been doing it for the last 20 years has been going in the wrong direction. And unless we have a significant corrective shift,
3: we will still be here in 10 years' time.
0: Bobby, what do you think?
3: I, think, I don't think we go back. I think we look at where excellence is happening here in New Zealand. And we look like, for instance, that teacher that we saw, where that is excellence... And we model on that and we go forward from the good practice that's happening currently in New Zealand based on building students' understanding of maths.
0: And the final word to you, Liam.
4: I think we need to fund the primary sector at a comparable rate to other parts of the sector. And when we're talking about uh, what new staffing should be looking like, we should be doing that alongside Māori, built on the idea that if we get it right for them, we'll get it right for everybody. All right. Thank
0: you all for your time and expertise today. Cool, mutu, that is Q&A for this week. We're going to be doing one of these specials every month this year. Hopefully you found this a thought-provoking discussion. Thank you so much to our guests, our panellists and our audience. Marae is up next. Te our wiki. We will see you next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. is made with the support of New Zealand On Air.